Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, you're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And in this episode, we have a no-spoiler review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, plus all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies and cannot wait to dive into the multiverse with you today, Lee. So, in Doctor Strange, in the Multiverse of Madness, it's a supernatural adventure that sends Doctor Strange and his allies on a dangerous journey to alternate universes where he meets versions of his friends, his enemies, and even himself, and goes up against a foe whose powers have never been encountered. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is directed by Sam Raimi from a screenplay by Michael Waldron, who did the Loki TV series. Mm. Uh, And this is based on the Marvel comics by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. The film stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Benedict Wong, Sochi Gomez and Rachel McAdams. Now, we will stress before we start, this is a no-spoiler review. We're going to stay out of spoiler territory. It's going to be hard, but we'll do it. It's going to be really, really difficult. I've yeah. got notes and comments here that I have to make sure I don't let the cat out of the bag. So right. I have to dance around a few things. But, Lee, I thought we'd start with a question right, okay. for our listener and perhaps for us both equally. What is the multiverse? I think that's a really good place to start because I've got a quote from co-producer Richie Palmer to help explain this. So we're mm-hmm. all on the same page going into this conversation. So he says the multiverse is a collection of infinite realities and within each there are different dimensions. And as the title says, it's maddening when you start to think about it. In the first movie, the Ancient One tells Doctor Strange that he is looking at the world through a keyhole and now that keyhole can be widened. This movie shows Doctor Strange that even though he thought that keyhole was widened as much as possible, there's still much to learn and still new places to go. Right. And then my question to you is, do you think 
they explored the multiverse in a way that helped the audience understand in this film? Uh, no. Right. I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, completely. I do love the insight though. There's a, there's a line in the film that adds another layer to mm-hmm. that where they say dreams are windows into our multiverse selves. Yes. And I actually quite liked that. I really liked that as well. Yeah. It's nice to think that when you dream about something – that might actually be happening in another universe. Well, I had a really weird dream last night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> None of my dreams make sense and I don't really remember my dreams all that much. My husband has incredibly vivid, yeah. visceral dreams that are mildly concerning when he recounts them. Okay. Um, so his alternate like, universe of Josh is pretty fucked up sometimes. <laughs> and he's obviously more connected to it than than we might be. 100%. Do you remember your dreams? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Do they ever make quote-unquote sense? No, not all the time. Yeah. But, I mean, if you look at the film like everything, everywhere, all at once, and there's yes. a whole realm with people with hot dog fingers, <laughs> I mean, it's a thing. And somehow it works. It Trust me, I've works. seen the film, yeah. it works. So, okay, to the multiverse. Yes. You don't think it was effectively explained? Look, I think this latest entry into the MCU, it's set out to push the boundaries of a few things. Mm-hmm. Supernatural, definitely the suspense, which we'll get into when we start talking about the director, Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. fantasy elements, and also horror. But do you think they succeeded in pushing those boundaries to bring the audience onto this new frontier almost? I think the film is about something different to what it's marketed as. Okay. So you um, think you think you were gypped from a marketing perspective because that's no, a pretty big statement. I don't to make. think I was gypped. I just mm. think that you know it's a film about Doctor Strange. It's mm. a sequel to his story, and he felt like a secondary character. Yes, didn't he? I mean, was this a film about Doctor Strange or Wanda? Mm. And let me preface that by saying I love Wanda. Yes, I think she's one of my favorite characters. You know, Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch. She's amazing, and mm. Elizabeth Olsen as an actress is just phenomenal. Phenomenal. But here is a great opportunity to dive back into the story of Doctor Strange to really flesh out his character development because, mm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, we haven't really had any character development from him since his first film in 2016 when he was introduced. Yeah, so what's that? Six years later, we get a sequel. Sure, yeah. he's popped up significantly in other MCU films, but you're right. We haven't... But he's a supporting player yes, in those films. Yes, yes. Yeah. Significant in terms of plot, yeah. but supporting in terms of development and, and gravitas behind yeah. who he is. This film does not delve into the no. character of Stephen Strange at all. And it felt to me like they just threw Rachel McAdams in and said, that'll do. There's the emotional connection <laughs> for you. Well, see, th- this is a question I have for you. Mm-hmm. Did you believe the emotional journey this film attempted to take us on? Were you convinced? Were you invested? There's quite a few things they're trying to yes. do here with multiple characters. Doctor Strange's emotional journey? No, I don't think it was non-existent. Okay. Wanda Maximoff's emotional journey? The choices they made, I was not on board from a personal yeah. standpoint. I can understand why they did it, but mm. to me, they're treading over old ground. Yes. You know, WandaVision was such an incredible series, Mm. such a groundbreaking, phenomenal series. Mm. And, you know, they did that. They got Wanda to a point where she's a grieving mother. Yes. And she's really struggling with that. And that's wonderful. And they jump into this movie and it's like they undo everything in WandaVision. In WandaVision, they leave us with, you know, oh, I'm not really a bad guy. I'm just, I'm just grieving. And then this movie, it's like, lol, jokes. Oh. Look, I am on the complete same page as you. Okay. This is my take on this. So, Wanda is obviously still in pain in this film. 
But I was really over her moaning about her grief and wanting to get her fake kids back. Right. Right? I was just I was just moved on from it. Like we literally, as you said, had a whole TV series about it, but it turns out there was one more episode to go and it's called Doctor Strange and the Multiverse <laughs> of Madness. And I was not invested in the whole reason why this film in essence existed mm. and what she was doing as part of it. I think, you know, performance aside, because we will talk about Elizabeth Olsen's yes. performance, she's incredible. She yep. really is incredible. But I think in terms of the story, mm-hmm. they've turned her into a 2D character, mm. which I did not like. I just think the emotional journey wasn't there and they could have kept that thread going through, that grieving mother wanting to get her kids back. They could have kept that thread and just done something a little more original with it. Exactly. That brings me to my point in how – I was really disappointed with the script overall. I don't think it made enough risks in the storytelling mm-hmm. and it ended up being a bit of a lazy sort of plot process for yeah. me. Like multiverse of madness. Mm. Like, heck, what a title. Did it deliver on the multiverse? Underwhelmed. Did it deliver on the madness? Maybe a little too much, mm. but it didn't offer much. <laughs> yeah, and what do you think that comes down to? Do you think it would have been better if Sam Raimi had been involved in the writer's room? 100%. Because I read something that Sam Raimi was working on the development of this film mm. and then was told midway through working through with the screenwriter what the film was to look like and then they were told, "Oh, we need to weave in the whole one division plot in this way because this is how the TV show ends mm. and yada, yada, yada. So the film kind of went on a different trajectory. And that brings me to another point that the overall film felt like a stepping stone. Right. I'm fucking sick of stepping stones in the MCU right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. What is happening? What's going on? What's at stake? Who are the big players? Mm. We're just getting like, they're just pissing on every tree in the park at this point mm. and I'm getting frustrated. Yeah. And that brings me back to the point there was a huge opportunity here to delve into Stephen Strange's story. Yes. You've got an incredible actor like Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm. You know, give him something more to do. Yeah. You know? I completely agree. And what he did with what he had is incredible. Yes. And that's one thing. We, we've went on about how Elizabeth Olsen is great. We'll continue that conversation. Mm. Benedict, amazing. It's the material they were given mm. that just disappointed. One thing that's worth noting as well is that Elizabeth Olsen – particularly, is very involved in the character of Wanda. She Mm. knows – she's been playing this character for, what, like 10 years now? Since Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which is 2014. Yeah, almost 10 years. And, you know, Sam Raimi actually hadn't seen all of WandaVision when they were making this film. That's really annoying. Yeah, and (laughs) – what? Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. Carry yeah. on. And so he's relied on Olsen to steer the character um, and it's great that he made the choice like to do that. Yeah, it's great. That was a smart choice. But I do think it shows yes. in the direction of the mm. film. You know, you're missing those character complexities that were brought to the surface so beautifully in yeah. Vision. Mm. One thing that is fun though, and I think setting the film in the multiverse mm-hmm. of madness is actually a great way to explain why others aren't coming in to help. Okay. Because you're getting to this stage in the MCU, <laughs> there are so many films, there are so many characters living in this world yeah. on Earth 616 or whatever we live in. Yes, yeah. And as the MCU just gets bigger and bigger, they have to find more creative ways to keep other characters out of the story and for it to make sense. And yes. I think setting it in the multiverse was actually really clever because, <laughs> you know, there's no one else coming to help. The, yeah, there's only so many times you can hear, oh, Captain Marvel, she's just busy off-world doing this, that, the other. <laughs> yes. You know, could really use a fucking help right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. That's that's They got – it was like a hall pass for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One thing I also want to mention, and 
it's going to dance around spoiler territory, okay. but we'll stay we'll stay away from spoilers. Yep, we'll look after you. Yep, don't worry. There are some cool cameos yes. in this film, but they served absolutely no purpose to the story. <sighs> right. Other than exposition. A mm. lot of exposition. So much exposition. And I think they quickly became camp and cheesy. Yeah. You, we broke a rule for our podcast mm. uh, listener where Lee and I never discussed the film until the mics were on and we're having this conversation right now. But mm. almost immediately, and we were both on the same page, we turned to each other and we talked about the movie <laughs> straight away, didn't <laughs> yeah, we? Yeah, we did. We talked about that, talked about a myriad of things, Yeah, which is interesting. That's what this experience, this film yes. elicited in us that we we literally couldn't hold it in yeah. and we've never really had that experience before. And it kind of sounds like we're tearing it to shreds. I'm a yeah. huge fan of the MCU. You, mm. We talk oh, about God. it all the time. Oh, yeah. Love it. And I did really enjoy this film, mm-hmm. some aspects of this film. Yes. So please bear with us as we talk a bit more about the good stuff. Yes, we will get there, trust. Yes. So. <laughs> Sam Raimi as a director, definitely one of the good things, Mm. okay? Mm. His style is just delightfully dark. Oh, that's a good statement. You've got charred bodies, gruesome kills, jump scares aplenty. They're all words I would not use for an MCU film. No, so they they did play in that horror space Mm. for the first time like they teased to do, Mm. so at least they ticked that box for me. And, I mean, I jump when I see my own fucking shadow. So, (laughs) like, my my jumping in this movie was pretty extreme at times. But, you know, let's just set some context for who Sam Raimi is, if you don't know. He has directed some of the best comic book films of all time. He kicked off a resurgence in this genre some 20 years ago with the Spider-Man trilogy. I mean, maybe let's not include Spider-Man 3. That was (laughs) a bit shit. Uh, But Spider-Man 1 and 2, especially 2, is considered one of the greatest sequels of all time. And I've actually recently... Uh, rewatched them and they're fabulous. And those are the Tobey Maguire films. And Kirsten Dunst ones, Mm. yeah. So it's really exciting to see him play in the comic book space again after so long. Yeah. Raimi's style is perfect for a film like this. It worked really well when it worked. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. there's flash zooms, as we said, jump scares, you know, the angle, Dutch angle that comes in and zooms into people's faces. Yes, he loves a close-up. Something scary is coming. It, It was really good. But when it didn't work... It veered into a tone that wasn't the humour of the MCU. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely not usual MCU style and no. that's a good thing It is most of the time. It's kind of like how I felt after seeing Eternals. Mm. It felt very dissimilar to the rest of the MCU yes. franchise. So we get that similar feeling here. But I think you also have to pull in what makes the MCU uh, so popular and humour is a huge part of it. They tried though, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, it's a different kind of humour though. That's yes. what I couldn't get on board with. I think the humour was more piss take yeah. than nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just it, it became a piss take to me, which I felt was not the right tone for the MCU. I mean, we've seen Doctor Strange with a sharp, witty tongue before when he has that discourse between Iron Man mm. especially, but obviously, as we all know, Iron Man's no longer part of this journey. R.I.P. So, yeah, um, moment of silence. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that even though I liked his relationship with Sorceress Supreme mm-hmm. played by Benedict Wong, it did lack something. So I'm, I'm on the same page as you with some of that humour. Mm. didn't quite hit the mark. And the thing is, humour is such a big part of horror films. Too. It is. But it is a different humour. It's like you laugh because you're uncomfortable. Yeah. Because what you're seeing is a little cooked. Yeah, so that kind of humour doesn't really fit well mm. within the MCU. But by the same token, mm. the style of horror and the gore and stuff 
fit perfectly for this film. Yes, and of course, Sam Raimi has directed some of the most successful and cult classic horror films of all time, yes. like the Evil Dead series. So yep. there's a particular sequence where Wanda has, you know, this streak of blood down mm-hmm. her face in the most fabulous way, and that brings you back to his yes. like zombie sort of horror roots big yeah. time. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I think it was the right direction to go in for yes, this film. I agree. What one one other trope of mm. um, Sam Raimi. I don't know whether you feel the same, but I wrote it down anyway. There's something that reminds me about a Sam Raimi movie where he does mass panic in the streets really well. Oh, so okay. when people are like running away and things are yeah. exploding in the in the streets around them. You see a lot of those sequences in your Spider-Man films. I really felt like I was on the streets of New York with Sam Raimi behind right. the camera with people going, oh my God, and then they run away. <laughs> anyway, I just got a kick out of that. That's quite funny. Yeah. Let's talk about the characters and the performances. Okay. okay. Yeah. Love Benedict Cumberbatch as an actor. I've said that already. Yes. The emotion that he gives in a single look or a hand movement mm. is just brilliant yes the, the, his physicality is amazing because he's obviously mm. a magician sorcerer whatever so uh, i would love to actually see his performance without the special effects <laughs> and just see how funny it looks or you can just see the, the <laughs> accents of the fingers and stuff yeah, That'd yeah, be quite yeah. fun, same with um wanda actually yeah oh hers oh i love her black fingertips so much i think that's yeah. a great piece of character yeah. design but as i said before in terms of character, mm. Doctor Strange feels like a secondary character in his own movie, which yeah. is a shame. Yeah. I did like, though, when he plays against himself. That's yes. challenging as an actor in any context. Yeah. But when you have to play different versions of a character you've played for six years, mm. that could be really, really fun. Yeah. And, and I liked that engagement he had. I also want to say, without spoilers, mm-hmm. that I don't recognise the Wanda we see at the beginning of this film. We've already talked about how we left her in WandaVision. I feel like they missed something. Like there needed to be some bridging scenes or or something. Well, explain that a little bit more. I don't know if I can without spoilers. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I just didn't recognise her. This is not the Wanda that I identify with. And then did that impact? So if you went in feeling that way in, you know, a couple of scenes into the film, did that affect your connection with where her character went? It did. It did a bit. I mean, on a personal level, I just plain wasn't into it okay. from a more professional yeah. critic standpoint. Yeah. I just think it didn't work as we've gone over before. It, it was mm. a direction that they took the character in that I think was old ground and didn't add anything new and turned her into a 2D character yeah. that was probably obviously written by a man. Well, you it know, was, yeah. Well, it was, but it, yeah. it felt like it was. Okay. You yeah. know, it just didn't understand the nuances of being a mother, of being mm. a grieving mother, I yeah. think. Now, also dancing around spoiler territory, can we talk about America Chavez, that character, mm, yeah. who's a brand new character into the MCU. She has the ability to open doors and travel from one universe to another. Yes. Just to put it simply, we'll just leave it there. She doesn't know how she does it. You know, all these things, mm. she's discovering a lot about her powers in this movie. How did you feel about such a significant, vital character being thrown in literally from frame one mm-hmm. of the movie that we had no idea who it was. It was a great opening though. It was fantastic opening. I think we can say that without spoilers. It opens with this incredibly exciting battle yeah. sequence that happens in another universe. Yes. So it pulls you in immediately. Oh, 100%. I was on board at the beginning. And I think <laughs> jumping straight into that action mm. did make me really want to know more about this character. Yeah. Did you think she was underdeveloped here, though? Yeah, it was an introduction to her as well. That's what I'm saying about the film and the story. It felt like it didn't know what it wanted to be. Mm. Is it a Doctor Strange, you know, emotional journey? Is it 
Wanda's emotional journey? Mm. Is it an introduction to America's character? Yeah. You know, is it Wong's movie? Yeah. I mean. Because he's the Sorcerer Supreme Yeah, now. and he's quite a pivotal character in this film. He is. Just one thing on Wong. Mm. This is another thing about the writing. Wong gives away a key piece of information far too easily, like just to conveniently progress the plot. And I don't think the stakes were very high in this moment. I think Mm. you know the moment I'm talking about. And I find that really lazy, annoying writing where a character is challenged for about Mm. five seconds and then they break and Mm. they give off the information that they should never and would have never, they would tell you, they would never share, Mm. and they fucking just share it straight away. Yeah. I have a real problem with that in yeah. movies. There are a lot of plots of convenience in this film. Yes. And again, that comes down to the story. Yeah. Elizabeth Olsen, we've already said, is yeah. an outstanding actress. Indeed. And, you know, she's beautiful. She knows this character inside and out. She brings such depth to it. Such intensity. I just didn't believe the direction yeah. that they went with I would totally on the same page there. It's a real shame. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's just a missed opportunity in the approach, isn't it? all that rich ground that they mined in WandaVision mm. and they just turned her into a cliche, I think is the word I want to use. Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. And I think you're right, which hurts a little more. It hurts me a lot, Tim. <laughs> Not a little, She's a lot. one of my favourite characters. I know. It hurts me. I know. Well, look, as, as you said before, this film was enjoyable in some aspects. Yeah. And I think the next thing we're going to talk about is – way up there in terms of Mm. impressiveness. The special effects and the practical effects. Yes. What was your take on that? So this film is super CGI heavy, which you would expect being set in the multiverse. And it's an MCU film, which is also generally CGI heavy. Have we had one that's so heavily reliant on CGI before though? Uh, I would say that the Thor movies are pretty heavily reliant and mm. the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are because they're set in space. They're more yeah. fantastical. They're, they're not really set on Earth mm. where you have more tangible experiences and familiar yeah. territory. So maybe those. Mm. But one of the exciting and I think energising things about this film is that they marry that CGI with the practical effects. Beautifully. And as we've talked already about the horror elements that are in the film, yeah. the body horror in terms mm. of the practical effects are actually quite fun there's a i mean it's not a spoiler but in the trailer it's teased there's zombie dr strange (laughs) yeah and so that that's a fun moment in this movie for sure when you're talking body horror and when you get the cameos involved yeah there's a lot of gory god yeah close-up horror like yeah it's just it's really fun it is really fun that aspect yeah i just want to build on the practical effects because Mm. i got a real kick out of that and again i guess it's a a trope of sam raimi he loves to do as much stuff in camera as possible Mm. you know you were on real sets They shot on the lot quite a bit because Mm. they started filming at the end of 2020 and they were restricted to travel to real locations. Mm. So they had to like replicate New York and all the Mm. different variations of New York on a back lot in England. Mm. So you could see the characters walking through quote unquote real streets. And I love that you could see bits of the set falling over and exploding and it felt Good. It yes. looked good and it married the special effects like you mentioned earlier very and that, well. that ties into the, the group mass panic sh- shots that you really enjoyed earlier. Yes, yeah, that is. They That's could make right. it re- more realistic. Well, exactly. I mean, you uh, audiences aren't dumb anymore. anymore. <laughs> audiences just aren't dumb. They can see. And so when you put something real in front of them, 
it's more enjoyable. And this film tried its best to do that as often as possible, despite all the fantastical multiverse mm. traveling, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And there is quite a bit of multiverse traveling that's really fun. They give us oh, a glimpse yeah. into all these different worlds, which is really cool. Uh, is there one in particular that you'd like to go back to that you got a glimpse of? I don't know if I can say without spoilers, yeah. okay, but there's, there's lots of fun worlds yeah. in there. Yeah, there are. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to travel back to them. Yeah. All right, Lee. So we've done our best to give our take on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Let's wrap it up and reveal our ratings, huh? So scene by scene, Sam Raimi's take on Doctor Strange feels fresh and exciting in its style and tone. But overall, it suffers as a cog in the wheel of the MCU machine and comes off like a stepping stone to something else, which is a maddening fate that neither Doctor Strange nor Wanda deserves. Mm. Shaking the template up with a juicy injection of horror was absolutely the right way to go with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And it's a good time overall, despite how we might be coming off in this review. Mm. I'm going to give it two and a half popcorn kernels out of five. I think the execution was really good. It was flawed, but worthy. And the story just lost points for me. Lost a few points there. All right, so not enough multiverse and too much madness. It really does pain me to say that this is the most deflated I've felt about an MCU movie probably ever. Did I go in with high expectations? Hell yeah, because this movie should have blown me away. But it didn't. It delivered a lacklustre series of events that did not live up to the potential of the multiverse and ripping open the possibilities of the MCU. This film should have shooketh me to the core and challenged everything. But we got a story with shaky foundations that offered nothing overly coherent or exciting, which led to ongoing confusion as to what happens next and how it all fits into what I feel is an MCU alphabetic soup that only spells out gibberish. I'm going to rate Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness two and a half popcorn kernels. So Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is in Australian cinemas from May 5th. Lee Livingstone, it's time for news and trailers and we're kicking this week off with an exclusive first look at the teaser for Avatar, The Way of Water, which we saw ahead of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, the media screening we went to. Yes, so Avatar, The Way of Water is the sequel to James Cameron's most successful film of all time. Not just James Cameron's, the (laughs) most successful film of all time and comes 13 years after we were originally introduced to the world of Pandora. You know, interestingly, mm. you, you would know this fact. It was taken over by Avengers Endgame. Yes. For a hot briefly. minute. Yeah. And then it got re-released in, I think, China or some market. Yeah. And then it took the mantle again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was only dethroned for a hot minute. Yeah. It's back on top. Now, this trailer, Tim, mm. was gorgeous. Wasn't it? Not a lot of talking in it. It's mainly beautiful images and beautiful music. Stunning score. Oh, just gorgeous. And we watched it in 3D. Yep. Which was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. I mean, of course, we can trust James Cameron to reintroduce 3D back into our lives. Yeah, it kind of fizzled (laughs) out there for a while, didn't it? It did, but he kicked it all off back in 2009 with Avatar. Mm. And so it's only fitting that he invites us back to Pandora uh, and we all become four eyes for that experience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, but this trailer, it, it really takes us into the water world yes. that he's going to be introducing us to. Yeah. Um, and we, you've said this before, but James Cameron has such an affinity for the water. He I has mean, a love affair with Titanic, water. Titanic. He's done a lot of exploration stuff. Yes, the Deep Abyss. Sea. Yep. Oh, oh that's one of my favourite movies. It doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be outstanding, yes. I think. 
We cannot wait. And you just have to wait a little longer. Yeah. But we're convinced that it's actually going to meet this release deadline now because yeah. we've actually seen something from the damn movie. So Avatar The Way of Water is coming to Australian cinemas on December 15 with a third film following it up in December of 2024. I can't believe we have to wait two years <laughs> for the next one after that. I know. And then yeah. there's going to be another one and maybe two, like, there could be five. Yeah, all could in all. be. Yeah. Anyway, watch this space. So also this past week, the world premiere for Top Gun Maverick took place on the USS Midway aircraft carrier in San Diego. Tom Cruise arrived in true Tom Cruise <laughs> style, flying in on a helicopter to greet the waiting media, fans and his co-stars in this long-awaited sequel to the iconic 1986 film. You know what? Yeah. This is what I've missed about Hollywood and yeah. the overzealous world that they that they all come from. How is premieres like that? How exciting did it look though? It looked fucking insane. Oh, muchos jelly. Okay, so Top Gun Maverick sees courageous test pilot Pete Maverick Mitchell return to train Top Gun recruits for a dangerous mission as he confronts the ghosts of his past and his deepest fears. The film is in Australian cinemas May 26. This morning, mm-hmm. in terms of from when we're recording right now, Lady Gaga's music video, yes. Hold My Hand, yes. I think it's called, came out and you get, fuck, by the way, that song is insanely good <laughs> and I haven't listened to it 500 times already, not at all, yeah. um, but the music video is out and you get this, oh my God, this movie looks beautiful. Yeah. yeah. The little teasers into the yeah. cinematography again, yeah. it's just got me so excited. And at the world premiere, we got a little bit of an insight into the story because we don't really know what this story is about, but no. producer Christopher McQuarrie said that we're not going to see sad Mav mm. in this film. It's not about him finding his way back to who he used to be. He's living a great life as a test pilot. He's staying away from becoming um, an admiral or, or moving up the ranks because it'll take him away from being a pilot, what he loves to do. So he's Mm. doing what he loves. He just doesn't realise there's something missing. That's tantalising. I think that feels like an organic and authentic way to tell the story. I agree because after 36 years, would you want to go in to see a favourite character feeling all down in the dumps? Yeah. It's like uh, we meant to believe that they've been depressed or not happy for three and a half decades. So I think it's good that we're getting a happy maverick. And, and seeing where that goes. So, Tim, another big movie is just around the corner, Elvis, the Elvis biopic from Baz Luhrmann. Can't wait. And uh, Priscilla Presley, along with a former manager, Jerry Schilling, and Elvis's friend, has praised Elvis having been shown the film by Baz Luhrmann ahead of its worldwide June release and Cannes Film Festival premiere in May. Amazing. I love that he showed... Priscilla. Of so course. the wife of Elvis from 1967 to 1973 shared that, and I quote, this story is about Elvis and Colonel Parker's relationship. It is a true story told brilliantly and creatively that only Baz in his unique artistic way could have delivered. She also went on to say that Austin Butler, who played Elvis, is outstanding. Halfway through the film, Jerry and I looked at each other and said, wow. Oh. Bravo to him. He knew he had big shoes to fill. How good. What an endorsement. He must be feeling pretty good about himself. So Priscilla concluded her thoughts on the film with admiration for director Baz Luhrmann. She said, The story, as we all know, does not have a happy ending, but I think you will understand a little more of Elvis's journey, penned by a director who put his heart and soul and many hours into this film. I cannot wait to see this freaking film. 
I wonder if Baz is going to be, it's going to be a straight take like Australia or whether mm. it's going to be Moulin Rouge, very fantastical. What do you think? I reckon, that's a very good question. I reckon it's going to be a marriage of the two. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Because it's yeah. a serious story. Telling yes. a real story. Yes. They're telling, yeah. Elvis was a real person, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, has he ever tackled something like that before where it's a real no. person? No. Not really. So, yeah, I think you're right. He'll have to rein in some of the more fantastical elements to help the tone of the story. Mm. But we're going to get that Baz creative flair all the way through. Won't we just? He'll have fun doing it, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. So, James Bond producer Barbara Broccoli, which is one of my favourite names of all time, (laughs) on Finding the Next Bond has said, it's a big decision. It's not just casting a role. It's about a whole rethink about where we're going. Yeah, so there's been growing anticipation on who will succeed Daniel Craig, who portrayed Bond in five films over 16 years. Mm. Rumours have seen many big names thrown into the 007 ring, including Idris Elba, Hugh Jackman, Tom Hardy, Tom Hiddleston and more. Mm. But it looks like we're still no closer to understanding who will take on the licence to kill in the next adventures of the long-running spy franchise. Yeah. Do, well, what about those names that you just listed mm. resonate most with you? Look, I still really love Idris Elba. Yeah, me too. I think Hugh Jackman's... Bit old. Yeah, probably a little past it, unfortunately. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston, maybe. He's got that charisma. Think I'm of still, him as Loki. I'm still leaning into Henry Cavill. Mm, he's too big. I think I've said this. You've he's, said that. He's, he's too, too big. He's too swole. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Craig wasn't your traditional looking Bond either. That's very true. I've got um, a completely open mind. I'll take on board whatever mm. broccoli serves up on the plate. I think it could be interesting if they go for a more unknown. Ooh. Well, because Daniel Craig, I wouldn't say he was an unknown when he was cast, but he wasn't Daniel Craig. Yeah. So, yeah, you could be onto something there. So, Tim, it's interesting. Meg Ryan, Mm. speaking of Top Gun. Yes. (laughs) uh, Is returning to her romantic comedy roots to star in and direct a film called What Happens Later, co-starring David Duchovny. It's being sold as an evolved and nostalgic take on romantic comedies and follows ex-lovers Willa and Bill who are reunited for the first time since their split decades prior when they become snowed in at an airport overnight. Oh, sounds serendipitous to me. Yeah, and you know what? I love the idea of David Duchovny in a role like this. I'm not sure that we've had many romantic comedy David Duchovny's. He's good with comedy. (laughs) No, yeah, he is. He's excellent in comedy. Yeah, but I don't know that I've seen him in this kind of romantic role. And I'm vibing the the pairing with yes. Meg Ryan. So the film is based on the play Shooting Star by American playwright Stephen Dietz, who also co-wrote the screenplay with playwright and novelist Kirk Lynn and Meg Ryan herself. This marks the second directorial credit for Ryan, who previously helmed war drama Ithaca. Yeah. Now, I love the fact that she's behind yes. the camera in this basically directing a genre that she helped create in some way. Yes, I know. I just want to see more female directors behind the camera. 100%. Just give me, give me, give me. What Happens Later is planning for a 2023 release date at this stage. Now, speaking of female directors, Mm. God, I'm excited about this, Lee. Let's get into it. Olivia Wilde's directorial follow-up to her 2019 independent hit, Booksmart, which we both adore, is just around the corner. So the first trailer for Don't Worry Darling, starring Florence Pugh and Harry Styles, dropped this week. Wow. So the logline reads, Alice and Jack are lucky to be living in the idealised community of Victory, the experimental company town housing men who work for the top secret Victory Project and their families. The 1950s societal optimism of their CEO, Frank, 
a corporate visionary and motivational life coach, anchors every aspect of daily life in the tight-knit desert utopia. And that CEO, Frank, is played by Chris Pine. Gosh, wait. A corporate visionary and motivational life coach. (laughs) Interesting. But when cracks in their idealistic life begin to appear, of course, exposing flashes of something much more sinister lurking beneath the attractive facade, Alice can't help questioning exactly what they're doing in victory and why. Promising an audacious, twisted and visually stunning psychological thriller, Don't Worry Darling promises a powerhouse feature from director Olivia Wilde. Yeah, it's got flavours of Inception in this film, didn't it? Indeed. I just love the visual tapestry set in the 50s. Looks like they're in this remote desert location. There's a lot of like colour. There's a lot of just crazy shit going on. It was one of the best trailers I've seen in a long time. Yes. Gives you a lot to salivate over but doesn't really tell you much. Yeah. (laughs) It's got to wipe the drool off your chin and (laughs) hang hang in there. Yeah. And Don't Worry Darling is in Australian cinemas from October 6th this year, 2022. Now, we're wrapping up our episode with this final piece of news yes. in that Scream 6 or what we joke about this all the time, what it's actually What's it going to be, be called? called? Scream V2 Part <laughs> 1 6. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the Scream 6 has appeared on the worldwide release schedule now. It's, yes. It is less than a year away, which is so exciting. Mm. It's expected to drop in March of 2023. Yeah, so expect to hear more about this film because they'll be going into production very soon. Yes, and they always, always turn the Scream films around really fast. Like, yeah, it's, it's true. It's May. True. It's May. Yeah, we've got less than a year to wait. Yeah. So, I mean, famously, the first Scream came out in 96 mm. and less than a year later, Scream 2 came out the following year. Yeah. Like, it was less than 12 months they turned it around. Yeah. It's wild. What do you think about diving back into this world? Oh, bring it on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, we have said that. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. But I feel like it's tempting fate. Yes. You know what I mean? Like diving back into this world after so long gave people a sense of nostalgia. It took us back to that world and they did such a great job. Yes. I mean, no doubt they'll do a good job again. I hope so. But it's just the law of averages, isn't it? The more you go on and the more you keep pushing the luck, mm-hmm. the less likely it's going to be what it was. It just can't live up to the expectations, surely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I I was nervous going into the re what's it? Reboot. Recall, re, we recall, said. recall, yeah. that's it. But they delivered, like you said. So I am sitting yep. comfortable. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm just, good for now. I'm a warrior. I just worry. <laughs> Stop doomsday prepping yeah. <laughs> Don't ruin it. <laughs> All right, guys, that will do it for another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. We brought you our no-spoiler take on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which you can see in cinemas right now. Yeah, please take yourself along to see it. It's a really interesting take on the MCU and a lot of fun. Yes, indeed. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. and join in the conversation you can like us on facebook and follow us on instagram at popcorn podcast step onto the legendary clay courts of roland garros where the world's best players battle it out at the french open for a chance to win a grand slam title Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. 
Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.